Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast, where we take you behind the best football magazine and website in Australia. Well, that's our story, and we stick into it. In the absence of Paul, any jolly will do Hansford, who's uh, hot-footing it in Western Australia with Sony. I'm publisher Andy Jackson, I'll be stepping into the hot seat this week. In a, in a week that's seen a shocking revelation by Branko Kalina that someone in Australian football is actually earning less money than we are, I'm joined by Deputy Editor Trevor Wannabet Trahan. And in the second half of the pod, we'll be joined by ex-NSL and A-League player and now community football manager at Sydney FC, Brendan Reno. So we'll be chatting to Brendan in depth in the second half of the pod. But for now, we'll... Uh, We'll kick off with reviewing round seven of the A-League and some of the stories that have been making headlines this week on our website, au442.com. So kicking off with round seven, first game of the round was uh, Adelaide United, who uh, didn't manage to uh, tip the form books and went down for a seventh consecutive game to Melbourne victory. Um, early fluke goal, you would say, from Nick Ward, Trev? Yeah, I mean, Set him it, on the way. his excuse at the end of the game was um, it was a cross slash shot. He hadn't made up his mind and he just sort of hit it in. He did almost try and claim it, I thought. Mm. He tried to wheel away as if he meant it. And then I think, I think the other players running towards him gave him a bit of stick and he sort of toned it down a bit. But, uh, it, it's difficult to know what to do. It's a bit like when an own goal goes in. Players don't really know who to hug or where to run, do they? But or if just... you're John Aldrich, you ruffle the player's head. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, interesting game. You know, victory returning to winning ways and what have you. And Adler continuing to, to not look great at the start of this season I think the interesting thing about the way Melbourne lined up is that they had sort of two major changes um, one was through a recruitment and one was and you know the first recruitment one was it's the first time that uh, Merrick's had both Leia and Musket available since you know Musket's been injured and Leia's come back and um, he opted to play all three centre-backs Vargas, Musket and Leia across as a sort of a, a back three with wing-backs and that seemed to work for them I mean they're three really good centre-backs so you can see that that happening for them and, and then up front rather than sort of bringing in Nate Fabiano as a straight replacement for, for Danny Orsop who's left um, he opted to sort of almost play Archie up front alone Hernandez in behind him and Ward out to the right Podolsky on to, to the left so he was kind of forced into these changes really but the, you know they seem to work it's the best I've, I've seen him play all season um, and having Ward out on the uh, on the flank sort of stretch the play a little bit and it enables sort of Archie and Hernandez to, to stay through the middle and Kevin Musket back Melbourne win is it as simple as that? Um, I, I don't think no I mean you know, I don't think it's as simple as Muscat coming into any sort of team, but I think Muscat along with Vargas and Leia at the back, you know, that that's really sort of um that's really shored them up. And Adrian Leia potentially a late runner for a World Cup spot? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a good defender. He's, he's good at playing the ball out from the back, a bit like Musket. Um, I mean, he'd have to have a, a really great season. You know, Melbourne would have to finish really strongly. I don't think Pim's too inclined to... Um, to take a sort of an A-League bolter, if you like. But, I mean, they do need centre-backs. So I'm not sure if Craig Moore's going to go. I don't think he will. Yeah, and, you know, if you look, you, you look at people like Colosimo, you look at people like Coyne at Perth Glory, um, you know, Jade North, you would say, but he's not getting regular football in Korea, you know, so maybe the door would be open. I'd, um, I'd like to see Colosimo uh, play possibly against Holland because I think he's been brilliant for Sydney this season. Yeah, OK, good crowd there as well. Um, atmosphere was a little stilted after the early goal, I thought, but, um, mm. but 15 and there, Adelaide, are, you know, haven't really repaid their fans. The fans have come out in good numbers there, but they've had five out of their first seven games at home and have only had two wins. So 
the league table actually probably isn't telling the true story of Adelaide's uh, Adelaide starts the season, even though they are in seventh. So, second game of the round was uh, up on the uh, Central Coast, where the Central Coast coupon busters, as I'm going to refer to them now, hammered Gold Coast three 0 inflicting the biggest ever defeat on the uh, the new club, Gold Coast United, and. For my view, probably saw the first cracks appearing in the Gold Coast. Certainly saw Kalina um, getting a little, frus- little bit frustrated with things on the pitch and obviously the smelts sending off. Um, whilst I thought it was a little unfair, I, I, you see that sort of thing every week and players don't get a yellow card for it. Um, is that a sign that, that things are sort of beginning to crack there a bit, do you think? Uh, you know, perhaps, but I mean, that's something they, they can pull back. There's, there's so many more, well, you know, there's a traditional A-League season ahead of us still. Um, it was an interesting game because it was, you know, the Mariners surprising, I mean, you know, the best defence in the league against Gold Coast, best attack in the league. And it's sort of Central Coast who had this, this more, you know, um, organic homespun approach to, to forming a team whereas you know the Gold Coast have gone out and thrown money at it so to see the Mariners you know smashing 3-0 it, it's very much a, a thing you'd only expect to happen in the A-League and for, for the, the heart of, uh, of Laurie McKinney he has brought in a couple of imports that, that are doing the business for him not, not Brazilians but, um, but English players coming in from the lower tiers in England Nicky Travis and, and McGlinchey from Scotland have come in and, and, and done a really good job with Travis getting on the score sheet and McGlinchey probably been the pick of their players I'd say, I'd say him, them and John Hutchinson I think, I think Hutchinson's had a good season yeah. so far we've seen that across the board I mean a, a lot of the English guys come over um, Wellington have done well with Eiffel and Green Acre and it, it, it's going to be quite an obvious thing to do because these, these guys who are playing in you know League One or, or the Championship and stuff you know the lifestyle change to come out to Australia for a few years is ideal for them and it's ideal for us because I think we're probably going to get good players out here I think, I think as well for me it's these sort of players that, that are not going to be your marquee player they're not going to be the, the headline grabbing Brazilians or Dwight Yorks or, but these are the guys I think that are raising the standard of the A-League in that it's the squad players and, and not necessarily the marquee guys but that are lifting the general quality of play this season would you agree with that? Yeah I think so I mean you, you sort of touched on sort of squad depth there it's quite tough in the A-League because you, you don't have a big remit for a huge squad so if you can get good players in reserve, that's that's really going to make the difference, especially with a slightly longer season. And obviously, the hope is that as the salary cap creeps up every year, then more and more of these players will be available to uh, to Australian clubs. Yep. Okay. Um, Sunday saw a triple header. First first leg of that was uh, Wellington Phoenix, who were denied at the death with a 94th minute goal by Chris Grossman, um, denying Phoenix a win. Leo Bertos got the opener there. Again, I thought this was a pretty good game. Um, Phoenix put Eiffel again to the fore, everything that was good about Phoenix, but unfortunately it looks like he's picked up an injury and he's doubtful for this week. But Fury didn't give up. No, the, the a b- bit more of that character we're seeing, but um, you know Wellington should have should have really tidied up that game. They had a good start from early goal from Leo Bertos, who's been brilliant this season. Um, and you know at half time they should have gone gone in at least two up. Um, Daniel with the miss of the season, as it was Travis Dodds worst only lasted one week before he was knocked <laughs> off his perch by Daniel. Yeah, he didn't want to be outdone. Um, and it's always frustrating to to concede a goal so late. But you know if you're at home and you're only one up and you've had chances to make it more, you've only really got yourself to blame and for all the for all the early season sort of doomsday predictions for Fury you know after seven games they're one win behind Melbourne victory and Brisbane Raw so you, you've got to say that, that 
the, the, the early worrying signs I think they've allayed them a little bit they need to get a win at home uh, that, they'll have the opportunity for that this week but there's only now seven points between first and tenth mm. after seven rounds you know, and there's still a whole A-League season or a previous A-League season to go uh, the middle game on Sunday was uh, Sydney FC who uh, managed to get over the Jets in a tight game um, Corica's penalty on the 55th minute was the difference but uh, Bolton for the second time this season saved a penalty although Matt Thompson who missed the penalty went and redeemed himself a little bit by scoring the equaliser great goal from Mark Bridge yeah really really good finish um, you know bit of a surprise to see him get it in from there I mean no offence to him he's a good player but you know it was a shock to see him get, in, get it in that top corner um, you know the penalty from Bolton was probably justly saved I don't think it was a penalty um, but you know Sydney had another good win and obviously the, the positioned well but I don't think they were particularly impressive they didn't have you know tons of chances there they, they just took their penalty and it was one great finish I mean they were missing you know pretty you know, straight down the middle of the team they were missing Aloisi Keller and Kissel through injury and still managed to win at home isn't that a sign of a good side really yeah perhaps I mean I think Kissel's still um, still settling in a little bit I'm waiting for him to sort of make a bigger impact um, but yeah I mean yeah, like you say the spine of the team missing but it's good to see Stuart Masalek come back as well. Yeah, and also interesting sort of cameo towards the end from Ali Abbas, the, the Iraqi from who spent the season at Marconi, came on, looked lively. Yeah. That a good addition. That, that, that does you know, look like the sort of signing they needed, really. The aftermath of that game, though, and we, need, we obviously have to talk about it, was, was Branko's um, ex- astonishing, really, outburst against Levitska. Um, where he, uh, he obviously criticised the style of football of Sydney FC, um, said that, you know, if, if that's what a half a million dollar comes then we need to look at more local coaches. Claimed he was only on 50 bucks a season, which even with Con at the helm, I think he's probably stretching it a little bit. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, for us as, as journalists and media, it, it's great because the headlines write themselves and he, and he sort of knew it, didn't he, as soon as he said it? He's, he sort of said in the minute, oh, you're loving this, aren't you? Um, <laughs> it's a bit like Cozzy with, with his <laughs> lunatics retained over the asylum. Exactly. It's always interesting interviewing a, a manager you know, straight after the game, especially when he sort of returned to Sydney with arguably a bit of a chip on his shoulder, something to prove. And they go down in a game that perhaps they didn't deserve to lose and perhaps on another day they, they would have got something out of. Um, I think he'll look back on those comments and probably regret saying them. Well, he's already come out and, and re-clarified and, and has apologised to Levitsko. I mean, it was completely unprofessional, I thought. But um, and, and particularly, if you're going to make those sort of comments, at least do it after you've beaten them. Yeah. <laughs> Not after you've just lost. lost to them with three of their key players missing and they've just gone joint top of the league. <laughs> It's not really the time to be criticising his credentials. No. Um, so anyway, Branco's come out and apologised for that, which is obviously the right thing to do. And um, I guess the end of the season will will tell us what we need to know about Levitska's credentials. Yep. Uh, final game of the round was uh, was up at Suncorp, uh, Brisbane versus Perth Glory in a mistake riddle match. It's fair to say, um, Perth Glory finally found their, their winning boots on the road and, and got on top four um, two. Quickest goal of the season. Josh McCloggan's diving header into his own net, unfortunately, but it was a great finish. Um, and then the final goal was a little bit of comedy as well. On the A-League side, it's been given to Pellegrino, but I don't see that. I think that's been very, very kind to Liam Reddy. I mean, basically, Liam Reddy just dropped it in his net. Um, Brisbane were under strength, three players at the Under-20 World Cup, but you know they'll look at that and think that they've had better days at the office yeah I mean you see six goals in the game and you think you know there must have been some great attack in there but it was mainly to do with just abysmal defending um, yeah Brisbane are, are missing players and Brisbane tend, 
doing what they, they like to do, sort of flick in and out of form. But I suppose the relevant point is, is Perth winning on the road. Um, they haven't done it in, in an important thing for them to do. Um, if, if they can combine a few away wins with how good they are at home, then they'll be a big threat this season. I think it's right, you know, if it was just individual mistakes like McLoggan's and, and Reddy's, you look at it, but you look at Yelich's goal and, and the centre that came across, you know, was, was missed by a number of people you know, yeah. before it got to him. Yelich should have had two as well. We had that other chance we rounded the keeper. Okay, another poor turnout though, Brisbane. Got to mention it. It's not great. I mean, 7,000 again. You're not playing well. You've, you've put the prices up. Um, you know, you would think that Perth would be a, a vaguely attractive game to go to, you know, with the Socceroos returning and, and them playing quite well. And Brisbane with a good chance of, of, of winning too. But yeah, no, not a great crowd. I think that's going to be a common theme all season. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they get for Sydney. Since I think, was it the finals game last season was 30,000 there? It'd be interesting to see. Um, what the fallout is this week um, but anyway at the end of round 7 as we talked about only 7 points between 1st and 10th um, top 4 Gold Coast Sydney equal on points on 13 Mariners in 3rd and Perth in 4th so probably not the top 4 you would have picked at the end of 7 rounds perhaps not no I, th- I think I was expecting to see Perth and Gold Coast up there and, and, and Sydney have got their act together quicker than I expected to but you know the Mariners real surprise all right, well, that wraps up uh, our re- review around seven. Uh, we'll take a short break and we'll be back to talk about some of the news stories that have been making headlines on the website. See you shortly. The Socceroos have done their bit. Now it's time to do yours. Enjoy the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience with the Green and Gold Army on tour in South Africa. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australian group stage games, tickets to four additional World Cup group stage games, all transfers to and from games, and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you'd better be quick, as numbers are strictly limited and places are going fast. Score a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final with QBE Quiz Striker. It's the football quiz for the football know-it-all. QBE has launched an online football knowledge quiz that will run over the next five months. Complete all five monthly quizzes to the best of your ability, and you'll go into the draw to win the major prize, a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final. The winner and a guest will stay in a four-star hotel in the city of the Grand Final with daily buffet breakfast for two before you take Take your seat to the big game. This prize includes return flights to a maximum of $2,000 if you live outside the state of the grand final. Each month, you'll also have the chance to win some great prizes, including Hyundai A-League tickets, Greater Union Movie gift cards, and QBE insurance vouchers. Visit www.qbequizstriker.com.au or click on the ads on the 442 website. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider.
Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider. Uh, you're joining myself, publisher Andy Jackson and deputy editor Trevor Trahan, where we're going to have a look at some of the stories that have been making headlines on our website over the last week. And uh, probably one of the more interesting stories was Michael Beecham, who uh, is heading off to the UAE, to Al Jazeera, which I thought was, a, was just a cable TV station, but apparently not. It's a football club as well. Um, the interesting backdrop to this is the, the new AFC three plus one rule which allows um, AFC clubs to have three three foreign internationals but then also one additional international provided they're with an, with, from within the AFC which obviously now includes Australia so we've seen players like um, Ognanovsky, Milligan, Santalab, Joel Griffiths, Danny Olsop recently and Adam Griffiths head to Saudi Arabia Michael Beecham has joined that list and the worry Trev is, is, is this become, going to become a, a regular trend not, not losing talent to Europe but losing talent to within the AFC? Um, I think there's kind of two ways of looking at it. I think if you look at it from a, a Socceroos point of view, the, the guys that have gone out there, also, um, you know, Griffiths and Beecham, I'm not really that where they play their domestic football because I don't think they're good enough to play, you know, Socceroos or I don't think they're good enough for PIMS 23 for the World Cup at least. So, you know, that's not a big deal. I think it would be more worrying if we had kind of headline Socceroos going out there. I think if Josh Kennedy went there when he, he had to decide where to go, that would be more of a worry. Or if we were losing, you know, our best young players, because I think the A-League is a, it's a perfect environment to, to groom those young players. And if they are good enough, you know, so, you know, Scott Jamison, you know, weren't successful at Bolton Combat, the A-League's been brilliant for him. Um, if you look at Spranovic, you know, he's been better off in Europe. I think these guys need to be in A-League or Europe. I don't think that that's a good environment for for those sort of players but you know a league wise you know obviously we don't want to lose our best talent regardless of who they are because it makes the league more competitive and it makes the players better but soccer is what I don't think it really matters I mean, is, do you think it's a bit of an insight into their ambitions as players you know like Michael Beecham 28 years old central defender should be at his peak a league player of the season or our a league player of the season season one um, went to the Asian Cup you know, didn't have a bad Asian Cup, you know, to be fair. Um, been to Europe, been to the Bundesliga, been to Denmark, and now he's going to play for Al Jazeera. That's not a footballing move, in my view, is it? He's not gone there for football reasons. No, I mean, I don't want to comment because we don't know his motivation for going there. But if we were to say, you know, perhaps he's 28 and he's thinking, well, you know, how much longer have I got? Perhaps six years you know five six years perhaps seven you know if I can go there do a couple of years there get a massive payday and that can set me up for what I want to do after football I think some people lose sight of that that it is a job for some of these guys and if he needs to get you know support his family for, for years after your career ends so early compared to, to normal careers then I suppose you can't really blame him yeah and, and the other interesting point was that the, uh, the, the, the may be an unlikely destination for players which could be India um, whose season opens in October the 1st and, uh, as, and the, the football side of things is growing there massively and we spoke to uh, Tony Rallis, uh, based sort of player agent and advisor and he was saying that he's having a lot of calls from, from India and even Iraq about players in Australia so um, maybe it'll be, uh, it, it won't be the last that we'll see of this They've got their work cut out making football a leading sport in India haven't they I mean how cricket mad are they all of them play it all of them watch it if you ever speak to an Indian about any sort of sport you'll go into the subject of cricket quite quickly so I mean that's going to be a tough market to cut out yeah um, one of the more concerning stories that we looked at this week was the, uh, was the withdrawal of um, 
investor Mitch Burke from uh, North Queensland Fury. Now, obviously, they haven't had the greatest of starts, although things are picking up. Um, the crowds have probably been a little bit below what they hoped for. Certainly, Robbie Fowler has, has delivered for them um, and hopefully will continue to deliver over his two-year periods. Now, Don Matheson has been quick to come out and say that, that you know he's shoring things up in the meantime. But concerning for me was you know, that he, he says that we're continually updating the FFA on the financial position of the club. Um, Warning signs there, Trev? Yeah, I mean, things aren't going well on the pitch. Like, you know, you were saying there, it's a worry when you hear anything bad coming um, off it. Always makes me wonder when I read these things of, of how much support the FFA give clubs. And we know with certain clubs how much they support them, but how much are they supporting all of the clubs or, you know, how much are they supporting one club more, the, more than another one? I mean, we understand Don's, you know, got some money to support this, according to our rich list. Um, yeah, he was in there, wasn't he? So he's got a few, Bob. He was, yeah. He's got a bit of money to support this, and, and hopefully it's a project that he wants to see all the way through otherwise it, it could be a problem or they might need another investor could, they, could a potential investor in the club be playing up front for them at the moment? That's possible that is possible I mean Robbie's got his fair share of money plenty of properties few racehorses so yeah I mean if, if he really falls for the club and you know he's scoring goals and he's enjoying his time now then he, he might better dig a little bit deeper for them You get the impression that he's enjoying it there don't you? He certainly, he certainly appears motivated on the pitch and seems to have a good rapport with the, with the lads there so you know it's not beyond the realms of uh, imagination that he, he might decide to settle out here and, and could take a, an off-pitch involvement in a club. That'd be great. Okay, um, to the other end of the grassroots side of things, um, we've, we've covered a fair bit um, on the website and will be in the magazine um, in the next issue. We've got a six-page feature looking at the Project 22 initiative from Football New South Wales, which has been making a few headlines and, and you know, caught an opinion from, from all over the, the football fraternity. Now, this is a, a, a programme aimed at, at cherry-picking New South Wales' most talented players from the age of 11 to 14, bringing them together in, in districts around New South Wales where they train for four nights a week and then compete with each other at weekends um, the recruitment process began last weekend and over 1200 youngsters turned up for trials the interesting point about this though is that it's actually a free uh, curriculum for the players so for a rarity these days in that the uh, the parents are not been having to foot the bill Trev on the face of it a good initiative in, in a nutshell sounds great you know free training for um for, for lads of vital age for their um, development. I suppose you know, the, the feature in the, the upcoming magazine, a, f- a few of the points that are coming up is you know, who's going to be coaching these guys. Um, it's a lot of hours and the wages aren't going to be very high because it's a free programme. So are they going to get the best coaches to teach young lads or is it going to be below par coaches You know, passing on perhaps you know, not the best experience they can? I mean, one of the comments... Uh, one of the dads says of, of uh, one of the up and coming kids um, in the article he says well I'm not interested in this project if they're looking to groom A-league players I want to groom world class players and there is the AC Milan Academy and there is all these really good independent academies that are trying to do exactly that so you know great idea but let's I hope it's not selling itself short yeah I think the interesting thing as well and, and I know Craig Foster raised this and, and in amongst the or the usual style, he does have a point, which is, you know, who are going to be the coaches. Now, I, actually, I, I disagree with, with Craig on one point, which is the fact that it should be populated by ex-Socceroos. I think it should be if they've proven themselves able to coach 11 to 14-year-old kids. The important thing is, is that, you know, and, and it's not cheap to get your qualifications. You know, it costs around $4,000 to do the C certificate, which I've done myself, and then another 4000 to do the B and another 4000 to do the A. So you're talking about a $12,000 investment to get to the sort of standard that you would be hoping that all these coaches are. 
Certainly the, the, the assistant coach position is a voluntary position. There's no money in it. And it's a big investment. It's four nights a week and weekends. So I think the, the, the jury's still out, and I'll be interested to see who are the coaches. But I think the important thing is is that we look for specialists at coaching 11 to 12 and 13-year-old kids, not necessarily just ex-socceroos, because just because you, you can do it yourself doesn't mean you can teach an 11-year-old kid to do it. Sure, and this is very much an FFA-supported thing. Hamburgers all over this seems yeah. going to help with the recruitment of the coaches, so hopefully you know that touch might help. And I think the, the FFA answers that because the FFA are currently recruiting for specialist skill acquisition trainers who will work with the guys doing this program so I think the FFA are, are beginning to get that with the direction of, of, of Hamburger um, so again we'll be following that as, as it kicks off and hopefully um, follow the progress of some of the players as, as they uh, as they develop. Um, one of the other stories that, that was that brought a smile to my face at least was, uh, was Sol Campbell's um, on again, off again, Notts County. Um, he joined on a five-year contract at £40,000 a week in the fourth tier of English football and left after one week. And his reason was that the clubs... He was disillusioned with the club's rate of progression in that short period of time. Um, <laughs> what can you do in a week? Yeah, that, that's, um, that's true. I mean, how old is, uh, is Sol Campbell now? He's, he's 35. So he's 35. So he's not, you know, completely over the hill. And he's, he's a guy that kept himself fit and in shape, if, if you know what I mean, in football terms, um, during his time. But they've cancelled that contract for him, but he's not free to sign with someone else. That's right. So effectively... January. So yeah. He can't play now. It, maybe it was a trip and a defeat at Morecambe. <laughs> which convinced him yeah. maybe he just looked around and went what the hell am I doing here I've played in World Cups yeah, yeah it's, like, it's probably a sobering thought wasn't it he just thought yeah. I can't do this and he's got one man and his dog criticising him for slicing apparently he kicked some fella so hard that he got booked <laughs> probably just thought what am I doing here um so yeah, so Sol Campbell without a club and potentially without any football until January. Um, so that, that really sums up what's been going on, on the website over the last week. Uh, stay with us though because we'll be back in part three with our interview with our special guest, Brendan Renner, who's the community football manager at Sydney FC. So stick with us. The Socceroos have done their bit. Now it's time to do yours. Enjoy the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience with the Green and Gold Army on tour in South Africa. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe. The Green and Gold Army's authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australian group stage games, tickets to four additional World Cup group stage games, all transfers to and from games and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg. Just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyonto.com or call 1300 300 756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you'd better be quick as numbers are strictly limited and places are going fast. Score a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final with QBE Quiz Striker. It's the football quiz for the football know-it-all. QBE has launched an online football knowledge quiz that will run over the next five months. Complete all five monthly quizzes to the best of your ability and you'll go into the draw to win the major prize. A 
trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final. The winner and a guest will stay in a four-star hotel in the city of the Grand Final with daily buffet breakfast for two before you take your seat to the big game. This prize includes return flights to a maximum of $2,000 if you live outside the state of the Grand Final. Each month, you'll also have the chance to win some great prizes including Hyundai A-League tickets, Greater Union movie gift cards and QBE insurance vouchers. Visit www.qbequizstriker.com.au or click on the ads on the 442 website. Hi, I'm Matt Mackay of the Brisbane Raw and you're listening to the 442 Insider Podcast. Uh, welcome back to part three of this week's 442 Insider. Now we're going to get into uh, grilling our special guest, Brendan Renault, um, ex-NSL and Sydney FC player, now full-time community manager at Sydney FC. Um, just, Rexy, on the playing side of things, first of all, are you missing it? Um, yeah, yeah, you always miss it. Um, that's probably... Uh, my wife has been wishing me that I would just sort of sit at home, put up the feet and get on the kilos, but I've actually started up doing some triathlons, so I've picked another easy sport to, to keep fit in. So, uh, so she's really happy about that. Now, it didn't get TV coverage over here, but for those of you that didn't see Brendan's goal in the Hawaiian <laughs> tournament last season, was it last season or season La- before? Yeah, whenever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, anyway, all, check all out all YouTube, I'm sure it's on there, but, but this man scored an absolute fizzer from about 35 yards. It was 40, like, actually. 40, <laughs> yeah. It gets further and further back each year. before we yeah. went on air. It's, yeah. it's added two, two yards. Um, obviously, on the pitch that day was, was a certain Mr. Beckham. Uh, we were probably playing on your side as well, weren't he? We yeah, yeah. Well, the, the whole lead-up to that was, was quite amazing because I, um, uh, obviously, when they played back in Sydney, I was due to play, and then there was a whole range of fun and games going on with inside the office that I was basically had to play or work one yeah. or the other and when Cosy came on board it all sort of changed around and one thing led to another to that game and uh, not only did I have to play against him I had to mark him which uh, for me still being in his top flight I was to say the least shitting myself um, <laughs> but I think after all that and all that was said and done um, it was a great game you know uh, to his credit it's just so down to earth it wasn't funny did he uh, say anything to you after you'd scored it yeah he, he actually came up and said that was probably one of the best goals I've ever seen oh, in the world oh, oh, oh Jesus yeah not the world bit but it was a good goal <laughs> but, um, but no he, he was uh, yeah he did actually come over and, and, and congratulated us and a, a funny story when we were walking back on at half time because basically any time he went near the ball touched it the crowd would scream and uh, when I said when I, he walked back past and I said oh hey Bex because we're on you know Bex yeah, and, yeah, and Rexy point, yeah. all this sort of stuff yeah. we're good mates by now after 45 minutes and um, and I said uh, he turned and I said um, mate when I came out they did exactly the same thing so it was in, in, it was the most funniest guy for someone that's meant to be so mm. cutthroat and so uh, business like on the field it was definitely I, I think I nearly got my head kicked off because I chipped one over him and started to take a little bit of the piss so I don't think he was too happy about that but it was just one of those people and the whole game the whole experience for me um, was pretty much a, a good send off um, to be you know, to be captained by Tony Popovich and all these guys your, your Steve Corrick is the people who I hold um, uh, at a high level in football not only in Australia but worldwide um, was pretty much the, the sign of it I, I think the big trouble was saying when, when is enough enough. Yeah. Um, you would rather be um, 
decide yourself than be tapped on your shoulder. And I know when Tony decided to to hang up his boots, it, it's it's not an easy thing. It takes a lot of uh, courage to sort of not go back on what you've done and, and said. And I could still probably match it and fitness wise and everything. But it's time for all these young guys to sort of step up. Um, and it's it's really good to see what the A League's doing. Well, in, in both your both your cases, you and Tony, you, you obviously stayed with Sydney FC, stayed involved in the game, which is fantastic because obviously the game needs as many uh, ex-professionals, certainly the players as well. I think like yourself and and Tony Povich, who have done the hard yards, you know, yep. when it wasn't as as easy a ride as, yeah. as it may be these days. And you know, just keep yep. reminding some of these these youngsters, these little you know, young that, punks, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But obviously, a lot of people talk about. A-League clubs needing to engage with grassroots and, and I think that it, it's, it's something that gets thrown around a little bit too casually without understanding yep. what goes into that and that's, that's really why we've got you on today was to, to really understand what goes into that engagement with grassroots and what's your yep. role entailed so, so just give, give us a bit of insight into you know, what, what's the scope of the role and what's an average day for you basically um, from a uh, scope wise when I first came on board through Andy Harper who gave me the opportunity which for me, I did this sort of role back at Marconi, which it's always been a passion for me. The community program, grassroots, kids, that's everything. Everything's looked after top end with Socceroos. Um, but when it comes to the grassroots, I think it gets forgotten sometimes. Um, not because they don't care. I just think it's just not as a high priority. And corporate-wise, it's not as a high priority. Um, I took on the role and was completely blown out of the water with, A, the geographical area that, that I had to cover, it's only been 12 months ago I was able to get on um, a full-time person, which I worked for about three years to try and get. Um, so you're talking 180 to 200,000 plus, and that's just the people that are actually playing, let alone New South Wales area. Geographically, we're going from Wollongong up to Karingai out to Nepean. So I looked after from driving around to uh, getting to as many associations, 15 associations we cover, um, and out of that 15 associations, Associations, you're talking, you know, anything up to 100, 150 clubs within that region. So, for me to cover that, and and one of the big things that we found uh, in the first and second season uh, was trying to cover it. Yeah. It was just impossible. And we've had many conversations before, Andy, um, on how we can engage so much more. And uh, unjustifiably, I think we sort of got uh, branded, I think, uh, a bling bling club and so forth. And out in the media that was definitely could have been mistaken for that's what we are but I can tell you now from from day one um, from starting with next to nothing um, we've, we've turned that around to, to be a community program that um, I hope will continue to and will continue to build and get better but you know you guys like Central Coast and Laurie McKinna who do an absolute fantastic job in what they do um, we, we will we'll be pushing each other to do better and better but um, the, the season just gone by we've seen over 30,000 kids we plan to make that, um, and that's through schools, clubs. Yeah. Um, Player-wise, they have their additional services, which means they have an obligation to do 150 hours within the community service, um, and that was we had the most, which was 13 players at that time. Um, so I, I ran them. I ran their contacts, making sure their diaries were done, and then on top of that, we obviously had to service all that. So that was your making sure through FFA all that um, requirement diary wise and we had fun and games with, with salary cap issues and so forth but coming through all of that I, I think 
Probably the most exciting part is the direction and how everyone, the club's moving towards um, with our new coach, Fitcher, and obviously Popper and, and Johnny Philo and Michael and through to all the way through to our staff in the office. Because for me, we're all together. Um, what happens on the field um, is a reflection of what's happened off the field within the office. There's a lot of hard work, um, and that's one of the things is seeing it from the office side. As a player, you're um, quite oblivious to everything that goes on. You just sort of think, oh, well, they just work in the office. We walk in here, they're talking, so that's all they do. Um, so it, it was a, quite a culture so- shock to sort of step away from, and the, if you have an issue with someone, you can't actually kick them um, in the office. So, <laughs> well, you um, can. Well, you can, but it, 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 HR, HR uh, has a few issues with that. I've been tripped that. a few times headed to the photocopy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, yeah. but yeah, but that, that team aspect, um, and as I said, uh, Vitcher has been an absolute in, uh, instrumental in making sure um, that that community side of things has been well addressed with games and everything that's gone on. Um, Okay, obviously, City FC took a, a, a very distinct route with their pre-season, which was to yep. play predominantly state, well, almost exclusively state league opposition. Yep. Um, was that a concerted effort to, Definitely. to, to support Definitely. your function? The, the year before, we, we went to about, I think it was about four or five, yep. um, and this season, pre-season, I would have to say would have been one of the most successful, not only from a building preparation from a team, but from a community aspect. We saw up to about 13, like between um, Campbelltown, Sutherland, and the eastern suburbs all across Sydney, Karingai, um, we really pushed hard to see as many uh, of the teams, whether it be from Premier League, which from my putting my community hat on, gets these young kids to see exactly what it's like. If they want to aspire to be an A-League player, they can see exactly what goes on. And mate, we had people out on um, like Tuesday, Wednesday night, midweek, in grounds that you wouldn't normally travel to, uh, four and 5,000 people. So that, that was a really refreshing, and uh, I suppose for all the hard work that you do out there, they're the rewards that you see. For me, seeing kids looking up to these, um, their stars and, their, and, and wanting to be like and emulate them, um, for me, is probably the most important key. So, yes, yeah. g- getting out to that grassroots was a massive success. We're going to be doing the same thing again this next season. And, again, Vitcher was very accommodating with what, anything uh, that was requested by those clubs. Um, um, and it's just something we, we have to do. It's, it's, for me, community is everything in a club. Um, you don't engage with a crowd when things are going through. When you're going through thick and thin, they'll come and support. If you're fair weather towards your community, then they're going to get the reflection back. So whatever you put out, you're going to get back. I mean, certainly, I see it with the, being involved with the, the Sutherland Shire Development Squad. I'm coaching 11-year-olds. And... and you know, now that there are players like Brendan Gann who came through yes, the Sutherland Sharks development system, played for the Sharks, now playing for Sydney FC, there is that continuity there, that recognition, and they do know who he is, even at 11, and, yep. and it does show that there is that pathway there. Definitely. Um, you've signed agreements with associations yep. such as the Shire. What, what, what's that entail? And, and what, what Basically, uh, again, there was a, with, with football and the changing of, you know, of, of guards between associations and clubs and everything that goes 
on. There's never anything, uh, I suppose, uh, certainties in football, which we all know about. But how they came about was I wanted to get something in black and white where whoever was going to be looking after the association from a president, general manager level, um, there was things in place to sort of say, well, OK, in 12 months' time, we're still going to be looking after that particular association and vice versa. It enables us to get information out through that association. Um, and there's been a lot of associations that have been very proactive, um, like in the Pian associations. And, and there's so many eastern suburbs that's really starting to, to come on, which it's our duty of care for me. And now it's five years and we need to get some sort of reciprocation back. But starting off, when I, I remember first going uh, to my meeting with the football, with the associations at Football New South Wales, and... Um, I, I walked in there with Andy Harper and basically it was as if we had some sort of disease. It was unbelievable. People, people were turning away, looking out you know, the window. They did not want to have a bar of Sydney FC because of all the things that they were promised by NSL, by people before. So we had that to contend with, turn that around and then push it out. Um, and now we're at a stage where I go into these meetings and it's I, I love going to the... the, the, co- the um, uh, association forums because it's I know everyone that's in there they know me, they can approach me um, and if they're not happy with something or if I'm not happy with something, we can bring it up um, it, it totally tore down the, the, the wall of us and them um, and we have to keep building. We've got to do better. Like, yeah. I, I take it no differently from when I was playing. If there was something wrong, we fixed it, but we just just didn't rest on our laurels. We kept working forward and, and getting better. Okay. Obviously, one of those, the next building blocks is the the, the, the launch of an academy. Yep. Um, how is that progressing? What's the time scale on that? Um, well, we're actually looking at first to SEP. So where are we? Uh so that's already started, yeah. um, and Steve O'Connor is going to be uh, looking after. Obviously, it's a it's a progression for him from the youth league, looking after academy. Eventually, we'll start looking at your sort of junior development side, working in with your likes of Project Twenty Two. There's a lot of things already out there, and a lot of academies already out there that are doing good. Yeah. There's no reason why we need to try and... It's financially, it costs an absolute mozza to try and make these things get up and run. So if we can blend in and build that into our career path for Sydney FC um, and going back to what we are talking about before the Project 22 and getting great coaches and, and, and players involved they're already out there doing things so let's start feeding them in um, to our career path instead of turning people away make sure we can we can all work together on it. So where, where will the Sydney FC Academy sort of fit alongside the Project 22 private academy? I, I would say sort of sit, sit along. It, it'll, it'll have its sort of uh, own area because obviously our brand, Sydney FC, stands in the A-League anyway uh, with all the other A-League's teams. But again, from a grassroots perspective, we need, we've got a lot to learn. Steve O'Connor, in saying that, headed up AIS for the last 300 years. Um, so he's no, um, no mug when it comes to understanding best youth players and it reflected in obviously last year when they won the won the championship so um, and then moving on to uh, the appointment uh, of, of Stefan Kamaz who's going to be looking after our football side of things in that area and that's what he'll be looking after like and he's got experience of that from Johnny Warren definitely definitely so yeah. and there's you know obviously working closely with Vitcher from a footballing aspect we've got footballing people in there and from an administration side we've got administration um, Edwin Lutt, 
I hope I pronounce that well, Edwin, because he sort of, I think he gave a dinner out for the people that could pronounce his surname the right way. Um, so I'll have to make sure I get a, uh, a copy of this to him. But um, the appointment of Edwin has been fantastic because from my point of view, watching it grow from nothing um, to where it is now, five years on, uh, the club and... FFA, for that matter, have started to end football New South Wales, have started to get serious. Um, and it, it, for me, I would have liked it a couple of years ago, but like in football, these things take time. Um, and Ed, Edwin's uh, background in your sort of your uh, CRMs and, and making sure that the clubs that, that he's CEO for and have been incredibly successful comparing to the EPLs and so forth, I, I think... Um, stands us in great stead for, the, for this coming season and for once moving on two and three years down the track, which is what the whole A-League is all about, longevity. And I guess the big question, I'm just mindful of the eye on time, is the big question that, that people always say at the start is a successful grassroots program or a successful community program will equate to more people through the gate. Now, is it as simple as that? Mm, that's five a, years in, you know, yeah, and go. That, that was uh, probably a very interesting topic because at the start I was quite um, naive I suppose I, I thought that the amount of work that we were doing was enough um, hours in a day I'd probably punch out about 56 hours a day between game day stuff and everything so um, again it's good for my marriage because I don't have to go home as my wife's happy um, for my son not so good but uh, I think we've we've turned the corner from from as you were saying before with the games that we played out in community I think it's been it was really um, exciting to see so many people coming out and support and replicating that with the, the, the economic downturn that's definitely hit us hit us all for that matter it, it's hit all sports not just not just the A-League um, but we're still getting good walk-ups we're still getting members um, and it, it, I might add in there go to www.sydneyfc.com to uh, get online for the memberships and so forth and our game coming up which is going to be an absolute blockbuster against uh, Central Coast Mariners um, there's a cir- th- circus theme so um, I don't know if that's going to be uh, I don't know if that's going to be appropriate but uh, so um, I'll be there with my big nose and big feet. Um, but yeah, it, it's again, it's it's an initiative to sort of keep pushing and driving the importance of community and um, and things that moving forward. Okay, and on that. Brendan has been kind enough to bring in with him a, a family pass for that game. So, uh, dust really wig and your clan shoes because uh, Sydney FC versus Central Coast Mariners. It's Monday, the 5th of October, kickoff. That's a public holiday in New South Wales. Um, so, no excuse not to get there and have a fantastic day. Um, question. Trev, what's the question? <laughs> what's the question to win this family pass? We're making this up on the spot. Yeah. Actually, back. actually, I've got one. I, I might, I might have it, which is sort of. Did you have one, Trev? I don't, no, want, to, no, I don't no. want to butt in there, no, mate. No. I know you've had it all pre, preparing. pre, yeah, <laughs> preempt stuff. Um, basically, we, we've started up uh, with four four two Sydney FC TV, which gives a, a, an outlook on what uh, a day in the life of a Sydney FC player. So maybe something along the lines, Andy, uh, of who's the uh, the player that 
is the funniest on Sydney FC TV, which will be coming up on 442, or okay. is something right. on those lines? Yeah, have a look, and let's say we, we'll be putting a video up on 442 soon Sydney FC TV, so maybe keep an eye out for that, and email us at competitions at 442thewords442.net.au and tell us who the player featured in the first video uh, that we put up is, and you can win a family pass to Sydney FC versus Central Coast Mariners. All right, we've gone way over time on that, but I thought it was worthwhile because I think it's a very interesting topic and one, whether you're a Sydney FC fan or not, I think every A-League team has to look at it, at what it's doing with its grassroots community. So that's why we've spent a, a fair bit of time talking to Brendan. So anyway, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back for Section 4 where we'll preview this weekend's game in the A-League. The Socceroos have done their bit. Now it's time to do yours. Enjoy the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience with the Green and Gold Army on tour in South Africa. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe. The Green and Gold Army's authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australian group stage games, tickets to four additional World Cup group stage games, all transfers to and from games, and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300-300-756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you'd better be quick as numbers are strictly limited and places are going fast. Score a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final with QBE Quiz Striker. It's the football quiz for the football know-it-all. QBE has launched an online football knowledge quiz that will run over the next five months. Complete all five monthly quizzes to the best of your ability and you'll go into the draw to win the major prize, a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final. The winner and a guest will stay in a four-star hotel in the city of the Grand Final with daily buffet breakfast for two before you take your seat to the big game. This prize includes return flights to a maximum of $2,000 if you live outside the state of the Grand Final. Each month you'll also have the chance to win some great prizes including Hyundai A-League tickets, Greater Union movie gift cards and QBE insurance vouchers. Visit www.qbequizstriker.com.au or click on the ads on the 442 website. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the final section of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Now we're going to preview round eight of the Hyundai A-League, which kicks off on Friday up, up in the Hunter uh, with the Newcastle Jets versus Perth Glory. Um, obviously Glory got a, a win on the road last week. Trev, do you see him making it two from two on the road? Um, yeah, I do actually. I mean, I think we're expecting the Jets to kick on a little bit more after they beat the Gold Coast, and they didn't really. They've been disappointed in the wake of that um, sort of surprise result. And Perth did, you know, start to look really good away from home. They are gelling, like I was saying about um, Franco Jelic, looks, you know, a top, top player. So, yeah, I, th- I think they'll go there and win. Um, Jets, Brendan, probably, probably were a little bit. Unlucky last weekend against Sydney. I'd probably agree with Branko's sentiment there that, that they probably deserve something out of the game. Um, do you think they'll turn it around at home? Yeah, I, I think um, Branko will, and the players themselves, the players don't, don't go out there. I know uh, Tom. 
Tomo very well. And they're not going to get, be going out there uh, to be defeated, that's for sure. Perth, on the other hand, have, have been have been travelling well. Mile Stojovski has been leading the team well. Um, and they're, they're sort of a bit of a quiet achievers at the moment. Um, so, I, I, But in saying that, I think it might be a bit of a, a stalemate, either a 1-1 or a 2-2. Um, I think there's, there's goals there to be had. But, um, but yeah, we'll wait so history there, was it? Was it Dave Mitchell's first game in charge when Perth went there and, and put four on the Jets? Mm, yeah. Rukovic's scored a hat trick. Anyway, um, all right. Saturday, um, Gold Coast obviously need to turn things around. They uh, play host to Melbourne Victory, mm. um, a newly resurgent Melbourne Victory with Kevin Musket back. Um, Joel Porter back for Gold Coast. Trev, do you think that'll be make the difference? This is a, a big game, isn't it? It's really interesting to see who's going to come out. I think you know Gold Coast need to, to turn things around slightly, and, and Melbourne seem to have turned things around based on their last game anyway. Porter being back is massive. I think um, he hasn't scored yet, but he offers so much more. Um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring draw. Okay. Um, I mean, for all the for all the talk about the first few games of the Gold Coast undefeated, Melbourne stuttering start. If Melbourne victory go there and win, Brennan, they go to within a point of Gold Coast after eight games. Yeah, and, and they're quite capable of doing it. Um, I, I think the Gold Coast, like any other team, they'll be they'll be obviously on uh, uh, making sure that they, they don't go down a, a second, third time. But I think with Melbourne, um, they just sort of seem to have, I think, the, the wood on them a little bit. But, you know, the way if Jason sort of switches himself on and, and the rest of the boys, you know, as Trev was saying, uh, you, sort of, you sort of can sense a draw. But I think there'll be goals in there. I think there'll be... Um and as we know from, uh, from Mr Muscat's previous, he, he does like to... Uh to put his authority, authority on the game and, and yeah. he always looks to to generally target the danger man from the other side which yeah. is perfectly reasonable he got booked him in half an hour of his return didn't he yeah. last week yeah. you know, do we see him putting his mark on Mr Kalina earlier uh, I'd say so just beyond halfway so it's but in not a World too, Cup year yeah. as an Australian <laughs> as a proud <laughs> Australian yeah I, I think uh, Muskie's Muskie and don't expect anything less ok um, now on to Sunday we've got a triple header on Sunday Super Sunday, we might as well call it. We've got yeah. Wellington against the Mariners first up. Now, this is Wellington's 50th A-League game, so see whether they can uh, mark that with a win. Um, now, I fools a doubt, and that, to me, would be a massive loss for Phoenix. I think he's been a, at the centre of everything good about Wellington Phoenix this season, so I think that would be a big loss. Trev, can they win without him um, if, he I, is, if he is injured? I think their struggle so much seems to be going for him. They've got three really good attacking players there. Bertos has been brilliant this season. Uh, Chris Greenacre's started well, and and Eiffel's been the pick of the bunch so that's a pretty good front three and I, I do think they need Eiffel especially Mariners um, will s- still be um, pleased from that Gold Coast result but you know Wellington have, l- have looked so good at home I mean, they're going for this 10th un- unbeaten game there um, I've got to sit on the fence again I think it's going to be another draw Trev, are you going to pick five draws this week? Possibly. <laughs> I, th- I think it might be. Now, what are the odds on that? Now, I did back this the other week, and the odds were around about 140 of all five games. I think it might draws, happen. It so, might, you know. Well. And here we are again. The Mariners, uh, if results go their way and they win, could be top of the league by Sunday. The yeah. unfashionable Central Coast Mariners. Brendan, thoughts on that? Um, I, I think Central Coast will... will 
come over the top. I think they'll be um, again. They're just uh, obviously too consistent, but they're 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 finding goals, which all the A League teams are trying to do, um, and trying to get their strikers to to find form. So um, and across the park as well. So Wellington uh, will won't shame themselves, but I think Central Coast will be, just be too good. Now, for the Mariners, Nick Merge is a player that I'm sure you've come across many times in your career. He's had a horror run with injuries, but it's good to see him back on the pitch. You know, he's, Could he be the difference if he starts firing? Um, definitely. And I think, as you've alluded to before, Central Coast, from all over the field, can do things. Um, you don't, you're not relying, like your Gold Coast, if, if Jason doesn't fire, the whole team sort of stutters. But with Central Coast, Coast, you've got players that are that are coming in, and to Laurie's credit, um, lucky or unlucky, whatever you want to call it, um, he keeps consistently bringing good players in that can perform and and step up to the plate. Okay, uh, second game is uh, Sydney FC. You travel to um, to Brisbane Raw uh, to take on Frank Farina's men. Now Sydney FC uh, again could find themselves top of the league by um, by the end of this game. So Trev, what's your thoughts on this? Can they go there and win? Um, yeah, look, I mean, Sydney are joint with Gold Coast at the top of, top of the table, but do you know what? I'm not really convinced they're playing any better than they were last season. Um, I think I, I'm kind of waiting for Sydney to dominate a team. Like, you know, they've picked up results, and, and that's great if, if they're going to sort of hit their straps halfway through the season and, and take things away, but they've not really dominated a team so far. You know, they've picked up results, a few late goals at home and stuff. So I'd like to see them go to Brisbane and, and sort of boss the game a little bit more, perhaps. A draw, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan. It's consistent. It's consistent. <laughs> what's what's right. your thoughts yeah. on this? Um, I, I think we'll we'll get over the top of them. Um, uh, it, in saying all that, Frank's boys will be so fired up after last week's performance. It's not funny. He'll have them breathing fire. Um, so. Uh, with our guys, we've had a, a few injuries, um, but again, like the, the quality of depth that we've got, and, and I, I agree in some ways with Trev from the point of view of um, we still haven't played our best football, and that's frightening because we're at the top of the table. What are we going to do when we start putting that together? Um, going back to Vitcher, like he, they're so well drilled that we can still consistently do well. So once we sort of start getting that consistency on the field, um, I think for, for flank-wise getting crosses in, we, um, we lack that sometimes and we have so many... We've got good quality players to whip good balls. We've got great um, uh, strikers in the middle with Broski is absolutely working himself into the ground. Um, so I, I think... They'll definitely go up there and have a hard slog. I remember going up there when I had my few games with FC, and it's a great place to be. Yeah. It is a great place to be. What, what's the latest from the camp on the injuries from last week? Johnny Aloisi and, uh, and Stefan Keller, are they in contention this week? I would say so. They keep that sort of side of things tight-lipped, yeah. um, obviously justifiably so. But um, I, I spoke to Johnny actually yesterday, and he was all uh, going well. So And Stefan, Stefan's... Um, He's quite a character, actually. He comes across as one of those guys that you sort of don't know if he's going to talk to you or cut your head off. <laughs> um, but he's, um, 
is brilliant, really good. So he, he won't be. It takes a fair bit for him not to play. Yeah. Um, and having him back there with Simon, that's probably been probably the most exciting part about this season for our team is our defence. Yeah. Um, I'd say Colosimo's probably. Colosimo's been, been brilliant at the back. He has been absolutely nice. brilliant. You yeah. know. Um, and and to co- and to top that off with with Clint and then moving forward up the field, um, you know, Carol Kissel, like these guys work damn hard, um, and that's why you need to get out there. This, uh, Is he yeah. back? Because he was missing against um, yeah. the Jets. What about yeah. Stuart Misalek? I mean, he shouldn't well, that's another one. He was... Someone like Stuart, mate, is, um, like he hasn't played for a number of games. And, and I thought his the trouble with Stewie is he does things consistently well every time. He doesn't. It's not anything flamboyant. But his touch on the ball and delivery, mate, I, I would like to... His stats are, are so low on actually his distribution on not getting to a player yeah. and completed passes. It's not funny. Um, and having him there, like, he's done done nothing wrong. And it's credit to the to the squad because it's... Everyone, each week, is just absolutely tearing up the turf trying to get on the field. Well, it's a good position to be in. I, I guess it is. the interesting thing that we've seen with the likes of Chris Coyne coming back to the A League and, and Chris Coyne forced his way into the Socceroo side yeah. and you know and, and gave a good good account of himself whenever he was he was called upon. But you know, has this opened the door for Simon Colosimo to be in contention well, mate. for us for that centre back's position alongside Lucas Neal? Because we're talking about people like Beechamp and Kiz Norbo and, yeah. and Chris Coyne, you know, could Simon Colosimo be a a World Cup ball. Well, going is is what he's done so far, and, and to be fair, across the whole team, there's, there's a few boys. I think, uh, obviously, if they're fit and playing well, have got a, a great opportunity of contention with with going to the next bid. Yeah, well, we've got a World Cup bolters feature in yeah, the upcoming magazine. Ah, there we go. <laughs> did you see what I did there? I already discuss it, but just keep it up. Yeah, seventh of October, the new issue's out. So, well, I'll look for that, Trev. Yeah, as long as you're there on the game on the weekend with uh, against Central Coast, mate. That'll oh, be great. definitely. Yeah, perfect. Um, Rounding things off for, for round eight, we've got Adelaide who make the trip up to uh, to North Queensland to take on the Fury. Now. Somebody's got to give here. Fury are looking for their first home win of the season. Adelaide looking for their first away win of the season. Draw. Um, <laughs> draw. Yeah, don't even so, ask Trev anymore. Um, draw. Now, Adelaide have, have had five of their first seven games at home and, and have only got two wins from that and haven't won on the road yet. You know, so, arguably, their position is probably one of the worst. You know, and yeah. If you look at the fact mm. that they've got rid of five home games in the first seven games... Trev, do you think they're going to go there and, and win, or do you think Fury are going to get the first home win? Um, first, let's just think about this. These two are playing each other again already, aren't they? They played a couple of rounds back when it was 3 all, and there's, there's still a few teams they haven't played. I'm not quite sure why that's worked well, out yeah, like that. Yeah, it was the same with Sydney FC. You played North Queensland again yeah. the other week before yeah. they played Perth. Yeah. Or, 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 I think it's just the way that they, they've manufactured the draw. So. Fair enough, yeah. Um, I mean, Adelaide are, are really struggling this season. We were saying before, we've, they were so tight at the back, only 19 girls conceded... Um, last season and they just seem to be leak, leaking too many if they've leaked three at home to the Fury you, you've got to worry what they're going to what they're going to do uh, away from home um, yeah, even though I did say draw I, th- I think Fury are going to pick up their first mm. um, home win here they've, they've shown good character and I think they're, they're building towards that, that first home win we saw in Sydney what they could do and Adelaide I've, I think problems run deeper at Adelaide than, than we think actually that, you know, on the pitch and off it and, yeah, do you think I've, it's ever been right since the Aurelio's famous the amazing <laughs> <laughs> um, you know as they, have they recovered from that it doesn't seem to me like they 
they've really got back on an even keel since that. Yeah. Um, I think I've, and I've known really there for quite a long time, and it, it, being someone that wears your heart on the sleeve and uh, and loves the game so much, it can be quite frustrating. You know what I mean? You've got people, and there's things that we wouldn't even know about that would be trying to uh, unearth different things, which well, we might because we're we're sort of into that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's yeah, no, that's that's not a pro- that, that, and that's your prerogative, I suppose. But um, but. Uh, it's it's incredibly frustrating, and, and and that outburst was probably you know obviously quite uh, quite understandable for all the things that, that he's been through. And if it was just on the field, Matt, this job would be an absolute walk in the yeah. park. He had another dig a few rounds, but didn't he? He was complaining about the administration for not sorting out international clearance for a couple of players, I think Shin or something. And he he made a slight comment then, going, "Oh, you know, the administration." Well, isn't that the FFA? Yeah. I don't the know. FFA, the administrators of Adelaide. Aren't I think yeah. I, I got yeah, the impression true. he was saying that's about true. putting forms through Adelaide. I'd have to go right. back and, yeah. and look, but that'll be another. Uh, but I, I, I believe it with Trev. I think North Queensland are going to they're going to get a get their first win. I, um, I agree. I think and I think for me, I think one of the key players for North Queensland have proved himself to be Ufuk Talo oh, because I think he's the player that has come in. He was missing for the first couple of rounds, and he's come back into that side. And he's the one player I think that seems to be on Robbie Fowler's wavelength. Yeah. I where well, they're, Robbie they're Fowler the... wants the ball played yeah. and, and that's such a major we talked about where's the supply going to come from and he's the guy I think yeah. that, that can provide and it. the quality it, like I know Wolfie for many years uh, playing with him and against him and watching him with Galatasaray and all over the world he's played and his stories are just he's the most uh, down to worth quiet achiever but when he plays mate he's just very streetwise and, and it's no surprise that he's on the same wavelength as Robbie because yeah. for me they're every bit as good as each other um, and the fact that we lost Uffie to overseas was, was a, a real miss for Sydney FC because he can still like his Stevie Corrickers they, they give so much to the game um, and they're just very streetwise they're very good players Great. All right. Well, that wraps things up for this week. Uh, longer than usual podcast, but that's what you get when you put me in charge. So um, thanks a lot for listening. Thanks to Trevor, as usual, deputy editor for his uh, attendance today. And thanks a lot to our special guest this week, Brendan Reno from Sydney FC. So thanks for having me, 442 Andy, Trev. And uh, on behalf of the community, uh, keep kicking. Ciao. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot for tuning in to 442 Insider. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.